0: enough but don't take it out on me now because i blame it all on myself and i had a fear of forgiveness i was too proud to say i was wrong but all that time is gone I want you back. Mm-hmm. Just know that I want you back. Mm-hmm. Just know that I want you. I'll take the fall and the fault, and I'll give you all the love I never gave before. I left you. Just know that I want you back. Mm-hmm. Just know that I want you back. Mm-hmm. Just know that I want you. I'll take the fall and the
1: fault, and I'll give you all the love. I never
2: Just know that I want you I'll take the fall and the faultiness I'll give you all the love I never gave before Okay, so hello, DS106 Radio.
3: Um, I think I can hear you, Lauren. Um, And We're just doing some nice level-checking here on DS106 Radio. We're going to get underway with our show in just a minute. But before we do that, let's get the technical side out of the way. (laughs) Hi, Lauren.
4: Hi, can you hear me?
3: Yes, I can hear you loud and clear. Um,
4: Wonderful.
3: I'm just going to double-check if you can just... um, give me a second. I'm just going to double check and see if I can start hearing us on the broadcast. So just to see.
4: Sounds good. Yeah,
3: We are coming through loud and clear. So Dang. hello everybody and welcome to a very, very special edition of Remote Working Radio on DS106 <laughs> Radio. Um, you can listen along to us for the next hour or so. And before we Go any further, I wanted to introduce myself and my very special guest today because this is a super special broadcast and (laughs) a world first, right? Global (laughs) premiere.
4: Yeah, we're international. That's
3: right. Um, Absolutely. So um, I'm Maren Deepwell, and I've been running these remote working shows uh, monthly on DS106 radio. And um, sometimes I also get to do a Sunday special. Um, radio show here on DS106 um, radio with my friends Amory and Tannis but today to talk about leading virtual teams I have a wonderful special guest so Lauren welcome
4: Hi, Maren. Thank you so much for having me on. Um, I'm super honored to be here, and I have this big fancy mic that I've been wanting to use for so long, so now I feel like I've, I've got a purpose on a radio show with my big mic, so very excited to be here, everyone. Um, my name is Lauren Hanks. I am the Director of Operations at Reclaim Hosting, and i um, I sort of oversee the day-to-day operations for the various teams at Reclaim. So, um, Maren and I, we chat a lot about leading virtual teams, and I'm excited to hopefully capture that conversation here today.
3: Awesome. Um, Well, I'm so thrilled to have you with us, and thank you so much for joining me today. Um, I'm just going to give everybody a little update on... The work we've been um, we've been doing that I've been generally talking about. Um, I don't think we have a lot of regular listeners for the show. <laughs> it's generally like an audience of two um, when I do these. Um, but the recordings are being listened to by more people. So I, I wanted to just make sure um, to give a bit of an update. So as you'll know, um, I've been working on a book about leading virtual teams based on Um, a lot about my experience as being a CEO of a virtual team and leading an organization and like Lauren said that's something that we're both really interested in and that we want to learn more about but also share our experience of and I'm particularly excited because I actually finished the first draft of the book recently and I want to make sure um, that You know, that's something that I can reflect on maybe with you a little bit today, because there's lots of different things I've been thinking about. Absolutely. Yeah, I think we're going to be talking a little bit about our different perspectives and a little bit about our um, organizations and how it feels to lead a virtual team. We might talk about anything from meditation to scented candles to karaoke to penguins. (laughs) So there's, no, There's <laughs> no no shortage guarantees. of
4: conversation topics, that's for sure.
3: That's right. There's no guarantees of what we might come up to. And then towards the end of the show, we're going to talk a little bit about um, a very exciting event that's coming up at the end of April, um, the OER 22 open Education Conference. And I thought we could use the session to give people a little bit of a sense of what our session at the conference is about and talk a bit about, open practice um, to do with leadership and virtual teams. So Lauren, is there anything I've forgotten?
4: No, I think that about covers it. I'm excited to dive in.
3: (laughs) Okay, brilliant. So you already started to talk a little bit about what your role is day to day and um, a little bit about what you do. So I just wondered... um, what is kind of top of mind for you at the moment about virtual teams? Are there any particular questions? Are there any conundrums, anything that's working well? Maybe we'll jump in there.
4: Yeah, that sounds good. I mean, there's a, a lot of ways that you could go with that question, I think. And I was brainstorming a bit before this chat just about, you know, what to cover and where to go. Um, and I think, you know, where I am particularly interested in, at least right now with leading virtual teams, is just the delicate balance that you have to strike between, um, you know, almost over communicating to make sure that things are not lost. uh, Right, you know, but then there's also that balance of almost feeling like you're a bit under a microscope. Um, You know, we use Slack as our primary way of communicating for our teams. And I think it's you know, a a lot of leading virtual teams is having that balance between, you know, making sure that things don't get missed or lost in the weeds of a Slack thread, right? So you have to have certain workflows in place to make sure that, you know, people know where to go to find the right information that they need. Uh, But then also, you know, trying not to evaluate every punctuation or you know every uh every word that folks are writing because so much can get lost in translation that way too so i think um a lot of the work that i do is just kind of writing that line um and and trying to strike a balance just with how i'm communicating i'm not sure if you've experienced anything similar
3: Uh, I, I really relate to that and I think like you there's like a balance between you know formal communication like hello I'm your boss this is the policy and I think setting out those expectations so um in our organization we have like a lot of different channels for different purposes so instead of slack we have um Google Instant Messaging, because we use Google Apps for most of our workflows. And so we have like a Teams chat, which is kind of, the whole team is on there. And there's like currently, I think, eight of us on that chat. And we use that for kind of hello and goodbye, but also we use it for, I have a question. There's like a ticket that needs dealing with, what about this issue? Can anybody help me with whatever it is? Um, And that can be anything <laughs> like, you know, like um today, just now we're having a, a chat in this team chat about um making life-sized um penguins for OER22 because it's co-chaired by GoGN and their kind of mascot is a penguin. So we wanted to get life-sized penguin cardboard cutouts. That's currently the topic in the chat, but it could also be like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Exactly, <laughs> um, and we have a water cooler chat which is dominated by pets, chocolate, um, rainy days, and terrible we gifts. Plans, yeah. But,
1: yeah.
3: <laughs> um, but then we also have like email lists for things where because we don't save our chats. So in the UK we have like um, <clears throat> I think different kind of privacy regulation than maybe you have in the US. But so we definitely don't archive our um, our general chat that is just like a basically a flowing conversation that gets deleted every 24 hours. Wow,
4: um, okay.
3: And so um, we have like an email list. Um, we have two for our team, and one of them is about sort of contractual stuff, holidays, like uh, policy changes, and one is kind of more like team notices. So that's kind of the official record. Um, so yeah, that's, that's quite like a lot of different channels for a lot of different things.
4: Right. And I was, I was going to ask, you know, when decisions are made in a temporary chat, you know, you have to have some way to capture that and keep a record of it or, you know, be able to communicate it at large to your team, you know, outside of that. So people can refer back to it, you know, if it's, if it's not in writing, it's not official, or at least that's kind of the mindset that, that I have to take with the team a little bit on my end is, you know, we can chat about things casually in a meeting or, you know, in a, a meeting chat or something like that. But if it's something that, okay, we need to write this in stone. This is a way forward. This is a policy or decision that we're making. This is, you know, marching orders for the next week or what have you, you know, that has to be somewhere that folks can reference it. And so you're, it, it sounds like email is that place for you all where you kind of, you know, take the temporary conversations and then anything that needs to be kept or translated for further use goes into the email.
3: Yeah, um I think that's that's about right. I I mean we we have um we have like a a joint a shared document where we document our team meetings every week and sometimes we'll put decisions into that or like add it to the next team meeting notes. Um and we do confirm things via email exactly. Um but like you I think I also had to decide where to draw the line because like I'm not sure if you are in that same position, but one of the things I found um, challenging or I found challenging, particularly in the beginning, was that when people stop being able to see if you're busy, um, they they go, I think, one of two ways. Either they stop communicating and they never like ping you or they just ping you at any point in time and they're not necessarily mindful that maybe they are just one of six people or 10 people or 600 people who might be contacting you at the same time. Um, And so I don't want to be making snap decisions on a whole range of issues, which could be quite big issues. Um, And so that's one of the reasons why for us, like our instant chats are kind of quite ephemeral. They're kind of like, Mm. you know, inter office conversations as if like, You would have a hallway chat and, you know, anything of substance has to be like, if I get like a complicated request, I'll often say something like, "Uh, that sounds good, but could you put that in an email and send it over to me and then I'll like respond formally and make a proper decision rather than sort of just be drawn to make snap decisions all the time. And that does sound inflexible maybe, but we have Um, to log decisions somewhere and... After like a month or two of being busy, no one will remember what the decision was or where it was where or when it was taken um and we don't want to have like a chat as a formal record because we want to give ourselves some freedom to you know be casual and be Certainly. fun with each other and not kind of record every single gift joke that someone might be making when they're having a you know a bad
4: morning or something. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And again, I think there's just this balance with communication, right? You have to over-communicate in certain areas, but some things, you know, it's all right if it's just casual and it goes away and it's not referenceable in the future, you know? Um, And the other thing, kind of while you were talking, I, I was thinking a bit about um, you know, expectations for reply times and, you know, how that works in instant chats versus, you know, email, uh, you know, cause there is a certain expectation that you have when it's instant, right? You feel like, oh, I'm, I'm gonna get an instant response from this user and so I, or this person. And so, you know, as a leader who has to, you know, talk with multiple you know team members throughout the day and make decisions and get back to folks on certain topics there is a bit of you know setting that expectations at least in my my direct messages that i get from folks where okay you know i'll get back to you as soon as i can and my goal is always to be very visible with the work that i'm doing i think it's important that you know as a team we're super visible and that you know we're connected as much as possible but at the same time you know, setting expectations up front that, you know, when you have a question, I might not get back to you 10 seconds later, you know, I have to (laughs) prioritize work and I'll get back to you um, as soon as I reasonably can.
3: Um, Yeah, Yeah, the, the 10 seconds later problem, I have that as well. And like, because everything is urgent on certain days, like I had one of those days yesterday, and it was just like, it was super productive, but it was just, like, the pace was insane. And it was just, like, one thing after the next. And, um, yeah, I, um, I've, I really struggle with that as well. And I I don't know if you do that, but we have, like, sort of, I'm not available buttons... Like um and I often press that button, particularly if I'm like like right now, you know, because I'm on air with you, I'm not available. <laughs> and right. um and that's kind of like a key thing for me to kind of try and ring fence time. And I was talking to another colleague of mine recently and we were talking about how hard it is to set aside time that isn't in a meeting. And I said to her, I meet with myself and I don't mean to sound like That's too strange, but basically I schedule meetings in my diary where I'm the only attendee because I need to work on strategic papers, I need to prepare for board meetings, I have HR reports that I need to write, and I need my whole headspace for that. I don't need like... You know, half a brain while I'm also doing DMs, while I'm on Twitter, while I'm replying to emails, and so,
4: wow, yeah, I have meetings with myself all the time. (laughs) And I think I think it is, you know, very important to be really protective of your time, right? Mm -hmm. And I tell that to my colleagues all the time. Where you know, the work will fill your day. There will always be things to do, and you are always going to have a to-do list that you know, you can come back to. And it's important that we're prioritizing work. Don't get me wrong, but I also think, you know, you have to put in that that time for professional development or that time to actually get the work done. You know, you have to put that on your calendar first and then let the meetings you know, fall around that. You know, and I I struggled with that in the beginning, and still sometimes do. You know, during super busy periods um, of the year for us, you know, where there's just a a lot of meetings on the calendar, and you know, I have to be very almost strict to say, you know, it looks like there's openings here, but there's actually not. And so I've started, you know, writing in blocks on my calendar for my to do list or for professional development, you know, even Mm. because I think that prioritizing those things ultimately makes me a better person and a better leader. And, you know, leading by example in that way is so important. Um, I also think too going back to what you said just about statuses, uh, Slack has a really great feature where you can leave a status up about the you know saying in a meeting or on lunch or something like that. And I really like to use those and I encourage my colleagues to do the same just because you know it's it's obviously not going to replace being in an office and seeing, you know, being able to look over your shoulder and see what others are doing. But again, it's just in an effort to be visible. And I think it helps, you know, maybe set expectations where if I'm locking into a project, I'll put up a status that says, you know, head down, you know, working on X or or what have you. And folks know, okay, they can still send me a message or whatever, but I'm probably not going to even see it for, you know, an hour or two. Um, so I, I think that, you know, just going back to even what we were saying to start over communicating in some of those ways can be helpful up front, mm. just so folks have the full picture.
3: I agree. Absolutely. And actually, that, that makes me think of something just because you were mentioning about like not being able to look on, over your shoulder and seeing if someone's busy. So. One of the things I've been doing for the book is to revi- revisit a lot of case studies and examples that um, my former colleague Martin Huxley and I used to blog about every month um, in our sort of attempt to talk about leading virtual teams as an open practice. And one of the examples that I came across a lot was keyboard shortcuts because one of the things I found really challenging, particularly when you're inducting stuff into things like, you know, specific tools and like our work isn't that techy, you know, there there is kind of documentation, but it's really just, you know, there's a CRM, there's email client, and there's a whole lot of different procedures. And when I do inductions with folk, like, it's really hard to know what like even if you screen share, you know, exactly how they work. And mm. sometimes it's taken me like months to figure out that the reason why they're struggling with a task or they're not getting what I'm explaining is because they habitually look at something at 125% magnification and hence they can't see the button <laughs> that I can see right. or you know, they use a keyboard shortcut and that doesn't work in a particular program, or I use a keyboard shortcut, and they're not aware of that, and they can't see my fingers. So and in some ways, that's like a really small thing. But I came it, I came across this again. I'm wondering if you have come across this as well.
4: Yeah, you know, I think workflows and having a rhythm for work is so important, you know. Um, and, and if you go back to If you compare it to being in an office, the workflows in an office, you know, you walk into this room and you go here and you do this or Mm -hmm. we're going to meet in this room, you know, every week at noon or, you know, those are workflows that everyone can can adopt pretty easily, right? Because we're all going towards the same place and doing the same things. And they're very easy. It's very easy to correct. Mm -hmm. Um, In a virtual space, everybody has a personal preference for their email clients, for how they organize their life on their desktop, to how they work in Google Drive, you know, just simple things like that, that you don't really, think about training for, you know, is you use the email client you want, right? That makes sense. But my personal email client, I have email templates that I've saved that, you know, ends up saving me a ton of time in the long run, because I have pre written responses for certain conversations, mm-hmm. you know, so emails that used to take me hours, take me a couple of minutes now. And I've just mm-hmm. had to become more efficient over time with those tor- types of tasks. And so there has been a bit of a, you know, learning, not only as a leader, but just as a colleague and an employee, you know, everyone has a different working style, some folks take to certain tools over others. And so, again, it's that balance between being able to see the big picture of Mm -hmm. what the the company needs, excuse me, hold on, Sorry about that. Okay. Uh, but to be able to see the big picture of, you know, OK, this is a workflow that our entire team has to adopt because mm-hmm. we have to be able to communicate about X in this way. And we have to streamline that. So we're not checking multiple places, you know, so writing workflows into stone versus here are the things that we can be flexible on mm-hmm. so you can work you know, at your preference. Um, a great example of that, I think, uh, is how we handle to-do lists. Uh, so we use, <laughs> which I know you'll laugh, and I'm sure my colleagues will laugh too, because I'm, I'm super um, uh, highly organized about, <laughs> about our to-do lists. Um, and we use Asana uh, as kind of our open or transparent to-do list for mm-hmm. the company. So we have a lot of our our team projects that go in Asana that have due dates and you can delegate tasks you can then talk about you know specific tasks and set statuses and it, it gives us a great a uh, bird's eye view of what's going on and a very clear picture into where the work is happening and where it is not. So, you know, we're not necessarily relying on a single person or a meeting to give us a status report because we can go in and we can see those things without them. So that's really great. Right. But I think we do have flexibility with um, you know, how folks are managing their own to-do lists, um, you know, which don't have to be, you know, they can be scribbled on a sticky note. Um. You know, it, it doesn't have to be something that everyone sees. So, mm-hmm. you know, having that balance between what's open, what's available versus, you know, what what workflow is going to make sense for you to do the best job that you can, you know, that's going to yeah. set you up for success. And I think that also gets into, um. you know, coaching for you know, the individual person, because everyone's working style is so different.
3: I really, I totally agree. And I think we've been on a very similar journey where, you know, we've been having to negotiate what's mandated, and what is free. And I think um, we're kind of in the process, like up to now, we've been using a number of different tools, but also some bigger project plans. And we're just like, we're We've aborted quite a few attempts to adapt tools like uh, or adopt tools like asana um because some of our like teams work on very different things and some of them didn't like any of the tools we tried out and mm-hmm. you know we're looking at some that integrate with like what we're already doing, and so we're like currently on another one of these um journeys of adapting all of these tools and um, I I totally agree with you like quite a few of my colleagues keep um, paper to-do lists and online to-do lists do not work for them at all and they keep their own to-do lists in whatever way that they choose Um, but a few I think two years ago I said um, because at the time I was managing the majority of our colleagues and now I have a wonderful COO who does that um, primarily for us um, and very capably too. But at the time I was managing a lot of different people and they all had different to-do lists. And I was like, I have no idea how we're going to have these catch-ups every week because I don't know what your to-do list looks like. Um, I can't see it or you're not prepared. So in the end, I just mandated this is the format um, for our catch-ups. This is what you need to do to prepare. And here's what it looks like. And um, right. I think like that's where I think it's so helpful to share open practice around these issues because just like in lots of education scenarios we all come across these similar kind of issues but sometimes it takes you a long time to find an effective solution (laughs) you know to what seems like a simple problem but because it involves as you say lots of people with lots of different preferences working habits working styles um, I don't want to echo the idea of learning styles, because I don't really um, I want to go there, but there's definitely different ways in which people like to work, in which people are effective, and yeah. so... Yeah,
4: <laughs> and, and, yeah. But I do things. think, that, you know, the distinguishing thing there is, you know, setting a rhythm for the work and how it's going to happen. You know, mm-hmm. your role is saying, you know, we're going to meet here once a week. And here are the things that you need to come prepared with, right? There's communication there, you're setting a Uh, guardrails up for how folks should be doing their work and the things that they should be thinking about throughout the week, right? And what they should come to that meeting with. But, you know, maybe where the flexibility is, is how folks are preparing for that meeting. You know, if they're writing it on a a sticky note versus a, you know, an online document or something, Okay, you know, but as long as they're coming to that meeting, you know, prepared with and following the rhythm and and the workflow that is put in place, you know, Mm -hmm. so I think that's kind of maybe where that, that distinguishing, maybe factor is, but I agree, it's such a challenge, um, you know, I guess, finding that balance between here are the things that have to work for us as a mm-hmm. team versus here are the things that, you know, mm-hmm. you might be able to do on your own or, you know, use on your own. And I, I've definitely had to learn th- through the years and I'm, you know, it's, it's a, always a, a learning, um, you know, a learning experience, just figuring out what works and what doesn't work. I, a couple of years ago, we tried to integrate a, an HR tool that kind of managed our, Employee handbook stuff. It managed kind of uh, the record for our employees. It gave them some onboarding tools and some links to get started. And it was it was good in theory, but it integrated with nothing. Um, <laughs> and it was so it ended up becoming just another place that we had to check, another place that we had to update, and it ultimately just didn't take. It wasn't adopted. It it was unnatural to use, mm. you know. So. So being, I think it's just as important to be able to observe that and say, wow, I, you know, I so wish that this worked for us, but it didn't, so we're cutting it. You know, we are, you know, getting rid of the baggage, essentially.
3: It's interesting that you say that, because like you, I've tried and failed to adopt certain tools like that. And I think I was doing some research um, for for the, the writing I've been doing. And one of the things I've come across a lot in sort of are uh, in some really horrendous books about managing people online, sort of like proper managerial manuals that are all about like exploiting your workforce um, and which I was um, which I felt rather scathing about. <laughs> um, but one of the things I came across is this kind of total um, fallacy that I think is the same in educational technology and in working online and leading virtual teams, which is that there is this sort of sense that because it's mediated by technology and because it's all in the digital realm, that it's all tidy. You know, that (laughs) there is like one dashboard and you can see at a glance like everything. And ideally Thanks. in, like, nice, color-coded, tidy <laughs> things. And there's a beautiful AI that knows everything and will just flag up any problems before they can become problems. And, you know, <laughs> really, I think I don't believe in the tidiness of leading virtual teams at all. As far as I can tell, after, like, five-plus years, it's just as messy as leading people <laughs> in a paper <laughs> paper office.
4: Right. Oh, totally. I mean, I think, you know, and some folks might roll their eyes at this, but I think it's, I mean, it's the same way as, you know, keeping a house tidy or something, you know, it's, you can have all the proper systems in place and you can clean regularly, but it's still gonna, you know, get Uh messy and, and life will still happen. And I think that's the same, you know, with, a virtual team or or the tools that you have in place is they're only as helpful as we make them, you know, and if we use them regularly and we, you know, agree as a team, you know, this is something that we want to be intentional about using and making useful for ourselves, you know, then having those systems in place and knowing that we can always fall back to them and we have regular check-ins about, okay, yeah, we should probably go make sure that's updated, we should keep, you know, have regular cleanups, you know, just like you might clean your house once a week or something, you know. Um, I think the same could be true for, for this type of environment.
3: I really agree. And, like, I think, you know, I I am a big fan of, like, technology in general. And like you, like, I'm probably, uh, I'm definitely less technically able than you are but I am I think just as much of a geek and I love like trying out new things and trying out new tools and you know like part of the reason why I like and I'm good at like you are leading people in a virtual workplace is that I am super capable using technology but I think you know in some ways it just really augments my skills as a manager and If you have to have a really difficult conversation, that conversation is going to be really difficult, or that HR problem is going to remain a headache, no matter how good a Skype call you have. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't think technology really helps when it comes to kind of, you know, tackling the most difficult issues.
4: Certainly, like no matter what technology you have in place, you know, it's not a one size fits all one. It's not going to there's no way that a single company or a single software can perceive all of the issues or potential needs of every single company and wrap that into a pretty package that just, you know, happens to work for everyone. Even our our sales uh, CRM that we use, you know, I've had to make significant customizations, um, you know, for it to work for our team. Um, you know, and if it works, then, it, you know, if it, if it's working, then, you know, it's not, it's not broken. It's, it's working. So mm-hmm. there, there is that side of things. But then the other piece too is technology is never, no matter how good the technology is, it's never going to replace or substitute for human connection and human contact. And there will always be, you know, that time where we have to slow down and strip away the tools, you know, and make sure that they're not slowing down the work, right? And then also set aside time for just that, that coaching, that one-on-one time that, you know, here are all the tools we have in place, but let's talk about maybe um, where you're feeling overwhelmed with work, right? That is a human emotion, that no, Technology or, or software is going to just be able to diagnose and fix. It's going to take one on one time, and let's look at this. And it's in empathy, right? And so I think that, again, it, it's just having striking that balance between you know, here are the tools that we have in place, here are the policies, you know, go forth, read the support documentation, you know, be a self-starter and a go-getter and all of those things. But there's also a, <laughs> yeah. a, a time where we have to come together and say, let's look at this and figure out a solution that makes sense.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that really resonates with me. And, and actually that brings me to my next question um, because well, although you know we are a fully virtual team we don't anymore have a a physical like a permanent office space um we do still meet in person and um a few weeks ago i think two weeks ago yesterday i actually met my my whole team together for the first time since 2019 and i was oh, so fun. excited so you know we all got together we had lunch together sat around the table And that was a big deal because obviously we've, you know, time has not stood still. And in a small organization, you always like, you know, have a new person or Mm -hmm. someone's left or one of my colleagues has been on maternity leave for over a year. So there's like a certain amount of change. And I think that hit me much more forcefully when I saw people around the table than it had done you know in a virtual setting so do you have any in-person elements in your blended way of
4: working that's a you know that's a great question and i think uh, the pandemic has definitely put a wrench in those plans uh Mm -hmm. for the last you know two or so years, we, um, as a team, we do try to meet at least once a year, we Mm -hmm. are completely remote. Uh, For a couple of years, we did have an office in Fredericksburg, Virginia, but that has now been uh, taken over by Reclaim Arcade. uh, (laughs) And rightly so, they have a much greater use for it than we do. But so there was a couple of years where, you know, we did have a few employees that were working in the office regularly. uh, And we were in sort of this hybrid Role as a company. Now, you know, we're completely virtual, completely uh, distanced. And so I think it's even more important that we are being intentional about those in person meetings. You know, and in the past, we've been able to do those for conferences, or, you know, I know our account management team comes together every couple months for different workshops or on-campus trainings that we do, but there is nothing like getting the full team together. Um, Mm -hmm. We just tried to do that uh, in Nashville. I guess it was, gosh, it was last fall, but even then, you know, COVID was and is still you know, at the forefront of everyone's mind. And Mm -hmm. so not everyone was able to make it even with the greatest intentions. So Mm -hmm. I do think, you know, hopefully this year we'll be able to do something, you know, with the full team. Mm -hmm. Um, And and that also raises uh, another, another point too, just, okay, in the interim, are there things that we can be doing online virtually to connect as a group? But then I immediately, you know, think forced fun, you know, and I hate that. So, (laughs) you know, trying to find that balance between, all right, let's just meet, we don't have to talk about work, you know, let's, Mm. you know, just connect and check in with each other, uh, you know, versus let's all, you know, get on a call and do a virtual escape room, you know, trying to uh, find things where we can have fun without it feeling forced, Mm. uh, I think is a challenge that I, I face regularly.
3: Oh, I, I hear you um some of the things we do when we want to have fun that isn't forced and I agree that that's hard to achieve for sure um so one of the things we've done which we actually all enjoyed um was to like before we a day before a big event like uh, before a big conference for example we'd have like um like dinner by chat together so there's no um video call involved but you basically all join the chat channel around a certain time like for a period of an hour or so and you share pictures of what you're having to eat or to drink um and like have a basically like a text chat around that um and we called that virtual pizza night um because (laughs) I'm like obsessed with pizza and I had pizza everybody else had other stuff but (laughs) that was where the idea came from and we quite enjoyed having text things. Um, we've also done something once, which was an idea from one of my colleagues, which was super popular, which is when we had a virtual team day where we all went for a walk. And again, we were all on a chat channel. And we had sort of categories of things we had to take a picture of, like something blue or something mm. that, remind, that starts with the letter A or something like that. And then it was interesting because we got to know each other's environments. Um, you know like those of us who lived in a rural place took pictures of a flower or a tree those of us who lived in cities took pictures of you know I don't know cars or
4: trams or you know like urban things so that was quite fun that's yeah that's wonderful uh it it does remind me somewhat when you mentioned the virtual pizza nights um it reminds me of something we did I Maybe it was early last year or 2020. I can't, you know, those. it blends together for me a bit. But um, it, it was kind of height of the pandemic. Everybody was on lockdown. And I think uh, Reclaim sent uh, snack boxes to everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, it was through uh, a company called Snack Magic, actually. Mm-hmm. And you could go online and choose the snacks that you wanted. And then everybody got the boxes in the mail uh, You know, a week or so later, and it was so fun. You know, to have to see these pictures come into Slack of everybody with all of their snacks and their goodies, and it was just um, a really fun experience. You know, doing something like that. So, you know, um, yeah, that that's always something that there are always more things that we Mm. can be doing to connect and engage. But I also think taking the time to slow down and just, you know say hello and appreciate the work that we're doing in the moment too, is, is very, um, you know, can be very rewarding, you know, Mm -hmm. making sure that we're not just moving on to the next milestone or the next goal or, okay, yes, we did this now let's go here, but actually sitting in a space and saying, wow, great job, everyone. This took a lot. And let's sit here in this moment together and feel happy about that, you know, happy about the work that we've done
3: celebration is really hard to do online i think um, it is and like i've had during the pandemic i've had several like online leaving do's. you know we've celebrated the birth of babies within the team you know we've celebrated big milestones and it is so hard like you know i i agree with you parcels in the post can can really help you do all sorts of things but we're coming up to running um a big event in september this year that we haven't run for two years and i'm actually one of my jobs this week is to actually write an invitation to people who have either left the organization or like um some of our volunteers who've come to the end of kind of the time that they could volunteer and who we didn't get to say goodbye to in person over the past two years and like invite all of them and say okay you know if it's still meaningful to you we'd be very Mm you would be very welcome you know Here's a free tickets so come and join us if you would like to um but it is somehow hard I think once the time has passed to kind of you know go back there and um like we kindle that kind of meaning that you couldn't have like when you didn't meet in person so
4: yeah you know um, a couple of things come to mind here and you say that one is birthdays, right? You know, being able to celebrate birthdays and make people feel special uh, because in an office setting, you know, I could bring in cupcakes or, you know, mm-hmm. something like that, you know, just to make people feel um, you know, heard and happy, you know, happy birthday, give mm-hmm. hugs and all of those things, but you can't really do that in a virtual space. And mm-hmm. so, we've, you know, been able to sign virtual cards in the past or we'll, you know, take care of someone's lunch for the day, but that's, you know, um, I'm a huge fan of birthdays, too, so that, (laughs) you know, I I get overexcited for them. And I, you know, so I want people to feel special on those days. And so, you know, prioritizing that has always been important. Uh, But then I also think, you know, one of the ways that's helpful for me, at least, and so maybe this is why I prioritize it with my team so much, too, is making people feel like, they can have an off switch, um, you know, a life outside of work and that balance I think is just as important where here are the ways that we need you to be dialed in and connected to reclaim, but here's where you should certainly be disconnected and giving, making sure folks have that permission or feel that, um, you know, not that they need permission, but sometimes just saying it Mm -hmm. is at least for me, really helpful to hear sometimes to say, okay, it's 5pm, you know, Mm. check out, you know, go on a walk throughout the day, do what you need to do to make yourself healthy and have Mm. a balanced life in order to be the best possible version of yourself. Mm. So that's also something that I do try to prioritize in a virtual setting. I'm very
3: curious what you think. Um, I came across, uh, um, as part of my research, I came across an example of unlimited paid holiday. And this is like a policy, I'm not sure if you've come across that, but it's a policy that I think has been really enthusiastically implemented by a lot of tech companies and other sort of Silicon Valley type companies and they made a lot of um, headlines with that, sort of, you know, come and work for us, and you can have as much paid holiday yeah. as you want. <laughs> um, and I looked into some research around this area, because mm-hmm. I thought, I was, I'm quite cynical when it comes to things like that, I thought, I am, I am positive that this was a better <laughs> way of exploiting people. And it was, because the mm-hmm. result of it for many companies was people took less <laughs> paid holiday than they were before. Because, you know, there was pressure on the job. um, There was no expectation set of people taking particular amounts. And then the result of it for a couple of companies who I felt still had, like, morals (laughs) about employee health and balance, they ended up having to set, ironically, a minimum paid leave (laughs) (laughs) um, policy in order for people to take enough holiday. Have you come across
4: that? Gosh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. I was, I was yeah. gonna say, yeah, I mean, for me personally, in my working style, I, that sounds like a nightmare, honestly, because <laughs> I feel like I would just overthink the whole time, you know, yeah. am I taking too much? Or, you know, how is this going to go over? Um, you know, so, uh, yeah, I, I, I can see the, um, the appeal, right? You say unlimited vacation, unlimited holiday, that sounds great in theory, but, you know, I've also looked into it a bit. And I think, you know, one of the the comments I saw from an employee who was in a space like that is, you know, when you don't, when when a company has to let an employee go, they don't have any built up vacation time, you mm-hmm. know, because it's just unlimited. You take what you want. So you don't ever feel like, okay, you know, I've worked a certain amount. I have this vacation time that I've saved up and I'm saving for something special. You know, it's, there is none of that. You just, you take it when you want it or it's gone, but then ultimately you're not taking it. Right. So mm-hmm. yeah, I, I'm not a huge fan of, of that. Honestly, I think I'd rather set, set very generous holiday policies, um, you know, and say, okay, even I think at reclaim, even after you are with reclaim for a certain amount of time, you get more vacation time. So you have this incentive to stay longer and, you know, work up to something like that too. Um, and and I at least personally appreciate that route because I know that I've earned the vacation that I have and there is no guilt when I take it. Yeah. Yeah,
3: that sounds exactly um, like my philosophy. And I, I, we've got about um, sort of ten minutes, and I just wanted to um, touch upon some questions around using the the t- platforms in tech that we use um, to lead virtual teams, because one of the things I've been considering recently is, you know, I'm a big fan of all things open and. At work, we actually use a lot of open source technology to deliver services, to deliver events, to run things. But I haven't found that much of the tools that we want to use for actually working collaboratively are easy to find open versions of. And I Mm. wondered if you had any thoughts on sort of, you know, open, um, open source or in general open approaches to different platforms and working virtually.
4: Yeah, you know, it's a challenge, right? And I I think it's a lot of for us for at Reclaim, you know, we're supporting and offering a lot of these tools to our community. And so there's this very real need to practice what we preach, right? Mm -hmm. To use the tools that we are offering and hosting for others. So I think, you know, in this past year, in the last couple of months, we're, we're slowly, I think, making the switch from using whereby as our meeting room to Jitsi meet, uh, because it's something that we can host on our own infrastructure and start and stop environments as we want. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's definitely always part of the conversation for us. Um, you know, but we're also just trying to use tools that, make sense and work for our, our team, you know, Mm -hmm. so Slack, for instance, we do have to, you know, that is very much integrated with the work that we're doing. Asana, there is a free version of that. um, But I think we have um, the paid version that gives us a bit more uh, flexibility with the work that we're doing. So Mm -hmm. a lot of the open source tools, you know, they're sort of what we prioritize. And that's gets our foot in the door with a lot of the work that we're doing. And then mm-hmm. from there, it's, you know, we may have to move up to a paid model or something like that, depending on, um, you know, what functions we need. Mm-hmm. But it's it's a challenge, I think, just to to find the right tools that, that make sense, um, yeah. you know. And, and I also think I go back to, you know, the OER by Domains conference that we ran. And how that was running, you know, on Discord and WordPress and I guess StreamYard and YouTube, which are a lot of accessible tools, right? But I think the the platforms that we did use, StreamYard for example, we had to to pay for. Yeah. Um, so yeah it's, it's a balance.
3: Yeah, it really is. Um uh talking of, of events that are um Coming up again, so this year's OER conference is at the end of this month and actually is today in two weeks, mm-hmm. uh, so not long at all <laughs> for those of us who are working towards it. And you and I are going to try and have uh, a session at the conference talking about sort of the open practice of, of working remotely and leading virtual teams. Um, so I thought maybe to finish our conversation, we could maybe share something Um, We're each looking forward to talking about. Um, um, I don't know if you want to jump in and share something you're looking forward to talking about at OER
4: 22. Yeah, no, I'm super excited. I can't believe the conference is almost here. That's incredible. Um, You know, there are so many ways that you could talk about leading virtual teams. Right. You can talk about the communication you can talk about, um, Mm -hmm. you know, working at at kind of the human level and making sure that connection is a big part of virtual teams, Mm -hmm. um, you know, even while you're virtual. And so I think, you know, I'm, I'm particularly excited to talk about that balance just between, um, you know, the ways in which that we can collaborate openly, but then also where it does make sense to, you know, communicate privately and, you know, have that time to coach and work with folks on a one by one on one basis, um, you know, and I, I also am really excited to, I think, touch on just establishing a rhythm for work and making sure that roles are clarified, that the team has a mission, you know, outside of themselves that they can work towards and, you know, making sure that we're investing in the folks to to know that and to to feel that. um, Because if you have the right mission, right, and you have the right the right players on the ground that know that from the get-go then the great work will follow and so i think you know um just kind of how how to go about instilling that in in a team is is really important and so i am excited to talk about those things with you i I think there's when we sit down and talk about virtual teams though there's so many ways that we can go about it like you mentioned i think at the beginning talking about Ways to have balance outside of work is just as important and meditation and scented candles uh, are, are certainly part of that. So, yeah. (laughs)
3: <laughs> I'm really looking forward to our session as well and and I think you're right there is so much more to unpack maybe we may even need to have like a follow-up radio session um, just to pack it all in after the conference has passed um, but one of the things I was going to say just to um, close us out here is to say I'm very interested um, to for folks who are coming along to our conference session to kind of start unpacking the parallels between You know, why are open approaches or why is open important in education? And in parallel to that, you know, why is it important when we come to working online and leading virtual teams? Because I think the reasons for why the open part of that is important are nearly the same to me. Um, And the sharing of the practice and, you know, sharing those kind of reflections... Yeah. Um, are just as important whether you're looking at supporting a classroom full of students or whether you're looking to, um, you know, support a, a group of employees. And, I, you know, I know that there are some differences, but I think there are a lot of parallels. And I think because we're both embedded in kind of open education as a thing, I think it'd be really interesting to kind of highlight to folks that actually, you know, openness can or open practice can extend into work as well as into, you know, academic practice um, or ed tech.
4: Yeah, I mean, you're still a, a group of folks coming together with Common goals, right? You know, whether that's in a classroom setting where, okay, our goal is to learn these things over the course of this year, and how are we going to go about that, and what work is happening collaboratively, or what work are we doing together and separately, you know, those are all commonalities with a you know, a working environment where we're coming together to, you know, and here are our goals as a team to push forward this and support these this community. So, yeah, there's there's definitely a lot of similarities there, and I think that this work is only going to become more relevant, right? You know, because there are folks that have been working remotely for a couple of years now, literally, and I don't think that that's going away.
3: I absolutely agree. And I'm really looking forward to our session. Um, And I want to say a really big thank you, Lauren. It's been fantastic to have you as my first special guest on the Remote Working Radio Show here on DS106. And I'm really hopeful that, you know, if you're up for it, we can maybe have part two of the special, um, after OER 22 and kind of, you know, continue this conversation. Um, we would definitely, um, love to have you back on air. I think there is a lot more to talk about. So a really big thank you for coming to join me.
4: Thanks, Marin. This has been a lot of fun. I'm super excited for the, uh, the conference coming up and yes, sign me up. I'm happy to come back on and we can have some follow-up conversations.
3: (laughs) <laughs> Excellent. All right everybody. Um I'm going to play one more tune um to play us out and to get us to the full hour. So um thank you so much to Lauren for joining us. Um we're going to start hearing some music in just a second. Um, but from us here at the Remote Radio uh, Remote Working Radio show on DS106, um a big thank you and we'll see you soon. Thanks for listening. Ooh,
1: you did
0: me so- It did me so hard Left me low with my high heels In the parking lot Always thought I'd see it coming mm-hmm. But I don't Gotta leave the engine running In the front seat In my mama's window face to face all the problems on the surface